0: welcome to the adventure audio podcast this is a quick chat about risk it's a topic that has been on uh, my mind it's it's been um a couple of big things have happened in the news recently in the adventure sports world and it's it's made me uh, it's something I think about a lot uh Tyler does too and we kind of reflect on some of the risks he took during his career things that he felt like he had to do at the time um talk a little bit about that and then we also spend a little bit of time talking about Tyler's uh, MS Global Bike Tour which he's been doing for 19 years now which is super super cool and uh, they have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for MS research which is awesome. So uh, before we get to this episode just a quick shout out to our two supporters of the podcast the State Bicycle Company who you can visit at statebicycle.com. State's been supporting the podcast now for not since quite the very beginning but for quite a long time we absolutely love their products i've got lots of their parts and apparel uh, jerseys bibs clothing bicycles parts uh kind of all over my house now i love their stuff and uh, everything comes quickly as it's supposed to state's been great Uh, so thank you to state visit them at statebicycle.com and uh, check out some of their rad new bikes And uh, additionally, the best thing that you can do is just give them a follow on social media and then you know what's happening with their new products. And also to Wheel Science, who produce and sell high-performance carbon fiber wheels for mountain bikes, uh, triathlon, road bikes, gravel, cyclocross, you name it. If you need carbon hoops, check them out at wheelscience.com. If you use code ADVENTURE AUDIO, You will get 10% off anything that they have in stock. But if you want a consultation about a custom wheel build, that's where they really shine. So hit them up at wheelscience.com to learn more about that. On to this episode of the podcast and we will be back next week. Sorry, we had a longer pause than usual. Uh, There's been a lot of travel involved, lots going on um, in personal lives. So we're always trying to to, uh, get to you at least weekly if we are able to. But sometimes we have to miss a week. So thanks for bearing with us. We'll be back soon. Yeah, we haven't, and we haven't talked about, but it was, um, it was the the topic of like how much we accept risk in our lives in sports in endurance sports um, was on top of mind recently because um, uh, Hillary Nelson, a really famous ski mountaineer, uh, passed away on a dis- on a ski descent in Nepal on I think the fifth highest peak uh, in the world. Um, she was doing the first ski descent with her partner husband um 49 years old and just just because of a, a, what sounded like a tiny little avalanche like something that she probably had skied through you know like a hundred times and it just knocked her off her feet and and that was it and uh like man and then so that that weekend i was in the mountains hiking with william our youngest and we were on he wanted to go off on this different trail and we we looked at the map and I'm teaching him how to do that stuff and look at like trail forks and figure that we'll make our way back to where we wanted to be and so it's important for him to know those things but we were um we always accept risks so we got into a piece of trail that and it got sort of steeper and steeper and more kind of off camber you know and he was concerned and I was telling him like just as long as you have three points of contact right both your feet get one of your hands on the like grab something if you need to and showing him how to sort of navigate that but we can't not accept some risk right like so i'm trying to teach them to sort of govern that stuff i think there's a lot of risk in doing nothing too but it's sort of on top of mind and here you are doing your annual ms bike tour ride and you've had a couple people hit the ground and i thought you know what we should talk about this on the podcast because you accept it into your life in a huge way and like that's it's not an exaggeration like multiple people died in the pro tour in the world tour while you were professionally racing, right? Like died. So I don't know. Like, I don't know. How, like, I, I don't even know where to start the topic. Like how did you circle back to be, be able to race again? Like the next day in circumstances like that, like just the whole thing is crazy. And, but we all do it. Like I don't ski mountaineer, but we all take risks every time we go out the door. And um, the biggest one I probably take is just road cycling, just motorists. Right. And road cycling, and like statistically, that's probably the most dangerous thing that that I do. Um, But
1: but yeah, if you're a ski mountaineer, you you know avalanches and whatnot to worry about, and you know sometimes you can be you know the smartest person in the world, but that doesn't you know nature speaks its own language, right? So yeah, I've I've lost a lot of friends in the mountains, and yeah, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason,
0: you know, just the wrong place. Um, And do you do you ever feel like there's like Sometimes I feel like there's like a statistical element to it too, right? So I'm like, well, the more time I spend on the road, the more likely statistically there is that something might happen, right? Did you ever sure, think about sure. things like that when you oh, were? Oh,
1: absolutely. That's why it's like, use, you know, if you're, go- if you're going out on the road, like use good lights, you know, have a good backlight, have a good front light, you know, and wear, you know, a bright jersey and a helmet, you know. And ideally pick a route that hasn't, doesn't have too much traffic and, you know, at the right time of the day, all that. Yeah. Sure. But if you know you're going to be out at the end of the day and you're, you're, you know, big, there's going to be lots of maybe the sun's starting to go down. There's big shady spots.
0: You know, wear a bright jersey. Wear a bright helmet. I got an orange helmet. I'll show it to you. I think it's the first time I've ever had an orange helmet in my life. <laughs> it's like,
1: yeah, it's like he's scene, right? Orange. Yeah. Orange. Yeah. You know, whatever. Maybe call me a dork but i'll take that
0: so when you were when you became a pro like how much did you ever consider danger as a reason to not do it did you like what as you were as a neo pro like as you you were starting to become as it became actualized this was something that you could do did you ever think it's pretty dangerous though or at 22 23 years old was that not even on your radar
1: no i knew it was dangerous i knew it was dangerous i felt sometimes definitely scared You know, when you're descending there in the pro peloton there, it's like, you don't just descend at their speed. You're getting dropped. You're getting dropped right off the back. So, like, you got to go way above and beyond your comfort zone sometimes, you know. And, you know, every once in a while, yeah, if you're not descending well, you're going to hit the deck, and that happened to me plenty of times. But then you learn to descend. I don't know. Towards the end of my career, maybe I was descending a lot better than than, than before. Or I kind of started out a little bit late, and, you know, descending was hard. It was hard.
0: And yeah. yeah
1: um, you gotta figure it out. You gotta figure it out. And yeah, there were times, but but if you crash it, going at some of those speeds, you know the the likelihood of getting up sometimes is is,
0: is not that good. You know. Oh, no, Yeah. Like that's well, it's not only fear of dying, but it's also fear of a catastrophic injury, right? Like
1: you snapping you snap your, you could snap your neck like that. You know, run into guardrail.
0: Yeah. About and you. That. You've broken your like people who have that exact same injury uh, well no sorry not the exact same injury but the exact same accident if you break a different vertebrae like you're you're paralyzed right yeah 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 one night yeah when you i know? broke my back yeah, yeah.
1: extremely lucky but you know a kid at the time and like oh i'm just resilient but you know little did i know like i was so lucky
0: very close so an yeah. inch here and an inch there right like yeah. So, yeah,
1: you got to weigh it. You got to weigh your, you know, weigh your risks. And, but yeah, you can't just sit on the couch all the time and be afraid to get out and get after it. But definitely weigh, you know, try to make smart choices.
0: Yeah, that's what I I think. I think that's it, right? Like, I think about the fact that, and I've got, I live 40 minutes from the mountains, right? So I have a lot of friends who are backcountry skiers and, you know, there's obviously a lot of inherent danger in that, especially with avalanches. But you know, the, and and then we have like all these irrational fears. Like if you look at the number of people who get who get uh, caught in an avalanche or eaten by a bear, I mean, it's a tiny percent of a percent of all of the things that can go wrong. Like the most dangerous part of your day is usually driving to the trailhead, right? It's the time in the car. That's statistically the most dangerous time, but we don't like we don't get focused on that piece. It's really it's really weird how we sort of like calibrate risk in our minds. Like I don't want to do like big mountain mountaineering. Well, my life hasn't gone in that direction anyways. I don't have time and the resources to spend three months in Nepal. But in a different life, I definitely could have done stuff like that. And yeah. And I feel like okay with accepting that that risk was just like part of, you know, like what you do. And we've had Laval St. Germain on the podcast. That's somebody who's accepted massive physical risk. In his life, in fact, he just, in a very Laval fashion, was running up a mountain in Romania and cracked some ribs yesterday, it looks like. <laughs> like, of course. I mean, you um, rode across the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, I rowing so. a boat solo across the Atlantic is dangerous in... I mean, it's dangerous in ways that I haven't even thought about. I'm just thinking about, like, storms and what if something goes wrong with a boat. But it's probably a whole bunch of other things that could have gotten screwed up there. Um, you know, he spoke pretty... He talked about getting the pieces of his fingers amputated like like it was, you know, <laughs> going to get a haircut, like no big deal. He, uh, So we're all, like, we're all somewhere on there. Um, it's difficult to not, like, it's difficult to not sort of accept some of it into what we do. But then there's a whole other piece of it that we've never really, I don't think, ever thought about. But there's, people are way scarier than animals and avalanches like a hundred million people die from other people every year a hundred million people from other people and there was a famous not famous um uh what's the right word a very uh highly publicized uh case in somewhere in the southern u.s of a a lady jogger going missing and then turning up in the worst possible circumstances and stuff and like you know you just people and comments and that's why you don't run out suicide. and it's like is that really like the right thing to say to people like you, these like a woman shouldn't be able to go for a jog in the morning by herself because people aren't safe like it's just yeah. i don't know it's been it's been on my mind the whole thing seems crazy and we're and we're in the most fortunate circumstance because we don't necessarily need to think about that piece of it right but there's famous stories of you know outdoor um things happening and and people happening to people in the outdoors too right There was a long article in the in uh, Outside Magazine about a murder that happened on the Appalachian Trail. Like, not you know, that's not why people go on adventures like that, right? But these things happen all the time. So you could you could do nothing and still have have the worst happen to you. So you can't do nothing. But yeah, I guess that's that's it. Like, how how have you how have you changed in the way that you accept risk? Because you still you still ski, right? You still hike. You still mountain bike. You still, you do, you bike packing, that's, you're inviting all kinds of potential risks when you do something like that. Like when you go down to Argentina solo, uh, on a broken bike, like, (laughs) you know, like how, how, how has it changed for you as you've gotten older, become a dad, like how have your considerations of those things changed?
1: I've definitely slowed down a lot. I mean, I don't really take a whole lot of risks anymore, you know, um, I don't, I don't, when I, you know, when I mountain bike, I don't go down, go downhill very fast for sure. I don't know. I kind of was been there, done that. I don't feel like I have anything to prove anymore. I don't know. I don't need to, you know, it's fine if all my buddies drop me on the descent or on the ascent, you know, that's fine. I don't know. Just slowing down a little bit. It's not all about, you know, going fast and breaking records.
0: Yeah. Uh, But you, and you grew up but you but grew up growing.
1: Yeah. Growing up, I wasn't like that. I was a ski racer. It was all about time, time, time. I didn't really enjoy skiing until I stopped ski racing. Really enjoyed it, you know, cause I was just so focused on ski racing my whole life. And then, you know, then an injury took me off skis and I was like, Oh wow. skiing's actually pretty fun. I was so serious about it, you know, and Then I got pretty serious about cycling and you know, yeah. yeah. I have a lot of fun with cycling these days. Yeah. I enjoy it a lot
0: yeah Yeah. and and skiing's super dangerous and you grew up in mountain culture right Mm. and uh and me too and i know people who've been lost in the mountains and but i also know people my age who have gotten cancer and died and never really spent a day outside so
1: mark mark sinnet just like sailed around the northwest passage from like maine to who had on maine to like alaska i think i don't
0: i don't know where he is right now i thought about that on instagram yeah like, yes. about yes. accepting risk, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. and a father, right? Yeah. But you can't, like, like Hillary Nelson's mom, mama too. Yeah. But you can't, it's like, there's a period of time where I guess you're, like, you're not yourself unless you do those things.
1: Yeah. I, sure. I mean, Mark, Mark Senate was born to adventure for sure. For sure. I'm sure Hillary was too.
0: Yeah. I don't think there's, there's any other way that they can, sort of be. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. So yeah, that's, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. It was kind of on my mind and, and, uh, it's, um, it's something I try not to dwell on or focus on, but I do think about it for sure. And I've seen, I've been going in one direction and then seen somebody coming the other direction and I can see their phone up near the steering wheel and they're kind of going in the ditch a little in and out and it's, um, you know,
1: a lot of people are on their phones driving, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah be yeah. aware, be aware. Um, uh, we're here at MS Global in Tucson and a lot of the riders have these great, uh, light setups that will tell you when a car's approaching, it'll beep on your computer. Yeah. yeah. So it's great. Like the technology is getting better and better. So
0: that's yeah, it's nice
1: to see. Oh, yeah, and It really
0: works. They they tell you cause they, it, they do work really well. Right. Hmm.
1: I don't know how far back exactly. I'll find out for you.
0: Yeah, do that. That's that's <laughs> super interesting. Okay, let's end on a slightly more positive note. Tell me how the bike ride's going and uh, just remind everybody what MLS Global is because it's pretty cool and it's happening. We we have you live right now from it, from your hotel, mm-hmm. Tucson, Arizona. You're in so tell, tell everybody what you're doing. This is your 20 something this
1: year this is our 19th year doing it yep next year will be number 20 yeah doing this is called ms global yeah we, it's like a week-long cycling event every like normally it's in september this year uh october um because yes helping uh people living with ms live a better life uh um let's see our our I mean, every year, yeah, we, we try to raise uh, between like 200 to $250,000. Yeah, it all all the proceeds go straight to CanDo MS. Um, uh, their founder Jim, was a guy I knew in the last like six, seven years of his life. This guy named Jimmy Hugo, who's an American Alpine ski racer. He, he and Billy Kidd were the first Americans to win uh, Olympic medals um, in the Alpine. Uh, and he had that was in 1964. Yeah, 64 is when he won a bronze medal. I think it was in Innsbruck, Austria. And then by 68, in the next Olympics, he was in the start gate of the Olympic slalom, and he had to close one eye because he had double vision <clears throat> from MS symptoms. He didn't realize it was MS. You know, right. closed his eye, didn't you know? Was tenth that year. Uh, I think uh, fast forward. I think three or four years. 71, 72. He was officially diagnosed with ms and at the time they didn't know a whole lot about the disease and they just said save your energy sit on the couch and yeah and he he tried that for a few years that he was you know down and depressed and said this is no way to live i'm gonna get up and do what i can do and he started doing that started moving 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 you, you name it skiing cycling water skiing all of it um yeah, it created a foundation, which is now can't, uh, Can Do MS, which is based in the Vail Valley in Colorado. So, yeah. Yeah, they help uh, people with MS and their families, you know, live a better life.
0: Yeah. So you've raised, you're raising $200,000 every year? We try
1: to, yeah, two to two fifty. dollars
0: So you're like over $4 million
1: in 19 years? I don't know where exactly it is, but yeah, we've done a good job. Well, wow, I didn't realize it's, it. all, it's all about the volunteers. It's all volunteer work. Yeah, my dad's really put it up. I had a foundation years ago that uh, MS Global was our marquee event. And then, you know, foundation was tough to run. And so we, we you know, didn't do that anymore, but we kept the marquee event MS Global in it. It's uh, my dad kind of took it over and has helped. It's really survived since 2008. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. So I'm lucky to have him have him uh, have all the support from him. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't exist today without him. hundred percent.
0: That's, that's crazy. And um, so, okay. Roommate.
1: I wish he was here, but he's not here. <laughs>
0: we're we're going to get him on the podcast. That'd be great. These are time capsules. And I think that that's, that would yeah. be an awesome thing to have him come on and, and give you a bit of a hard time and uh, tell us about MS Global. That'd be super cool. Yeah. But how much have you seen change in the 19 years? Cause I have like one of my best friends has MS. Um, and then and a bunch of other people that I know have MS, but, but one of my very best friends is like a brother to me has MS and and it's a, like, I've learned a lot ever since, since his diagnosis about 10 years ago. But, um, but how much, how much have you seen change since you started the foundation in the way they I treat mean, people?
1: Yeah, the medication has gotten a lot better. So yeah. A uh, couple people here have had MS for over 25, 30 years. And, uh, you would have no idea, no idea. And the way they ride a bike so fast, it's incredible. It's incredible.
0: Is Gene Capri here?
1: Gene Capri is here. Yeah, here. <laughs> that is yeah. Good. Yeah. Look, looking good, as good as ever. Yeah. Lean leaning yeah. fast, hey. Lean fast. And and on the inside, too, he's, you know, sounds really great and happy and healthy, yeah.
0: That is awesome. But, it's a,
1: you know, it's a terrible disease, and, uh, you know, not everyone is so fortunate, but. No. But, you know, what Jimmy Hugo taught, you know, Jimmy finally passed of MS complications in uh, 2010. I met him in 2004 and we had a friendship. But he, yeah, he uh, he passed in 2010. And, uh, yeah, you know, since then, it's for me, it's an, it really been really important to kind of um, share his legacy. And, you know, he was all about, you know, getting up and doing what you could do. And, you know, right up to the end, he was water skiing out and Outside of Boulder, Colorado. He was in a full care facility, couldn't, couldn't walk, was in a wheelchair. They would strap him onto like a kind of a knee board. He would water ski or you know, yeah, water ski in Boulder Reservoir, and then he'd tip over and you'd have to wait till somebody jumped out of the boat. I had to flip him back over, you know, fearless, fearless. He'd be looking at the bottom of the reservoir until somebody flipped him back over. Just fearless. I'd take him out on this like hand cycle, fearless, fearless. So yeah, great guy's done so much for you know that fight against MS, and I miss him.
0: Yeah, it's really it's. I've found that it's a really unpredictable disease, and it affects everybody differently. And um, even with even within individuals, it can be very very up and down. And there's relapses. Very complicated and and, uh, but you know there's the the, the fact that you say that it helps people with MS and their families. I think the key part because it's an MS diagnosis is a seismic thing to have happen to a family, right? It's, it's one person with MS, but it's the whole family that, that is going to deal with it. So one of yeah. these years, brother, I'm going to, I'm going to come down there and raise a bunch of money and ride with you. So my, my buddy, Paul, shout out to Paul with MS, who is the cyclist, and I will, uh, will, will come.
1: Uh, next September, it's going to be in Luca, Italy. So.
0: Oh, uh, Italy sound cool at all. So. <laughs> yeah, that that would be pretty awesome, Luca. Italy, I don't even know where that is. Is that in the south?
1: Yeah, it's in Tuscany. Yeah, in between Pisa and Florence.
0: Wow! In the fall? Okay.
1: Uh, September. I don't know the dates in September, buddy. Yeah, That's in September.
0: Whatever. You've planted a seed, my friend. Okay. All right, buddy. Listen, thanks for taking the time out from uh, from the bike ride to do this, and uh, we should be connecting with a guest next week, so we will get that out to people. But. I appreciate you carving out just a little bit of time and keep everybody safe. Rubber side down there, okay? Man? Hey, th-
1: hey, thanks, buddy. Is it, uh, I heard it's cold up north.
0: It's not yet. It's oh. warm day, but the party is over starting tomorrow. That's what I heard. Okay. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. The white stuff is coming.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> All right, dude. Okay, hey. Thanks, buddy. Good to see you, Pete. You too. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the podcast. We want to say uh, we really, really appreciate you tuning in. If you are able to give us a positive rating or review on whatever podcast platform you're finding the show or if you are able to subscribe. We also have a YouTube channel now as well. You can give us a uh, hit the subscribe button over on YouTube. If you prefer to consume the podcast in video format, um, we will always try and get every episode up there as long as we are able to capture it properly and get it uploaded. So uh, again, thank you for supporting the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. We will be trying to try be back to you uh, weekly again. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you soon.